eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. But this was very unfamiliar. And let's be honest. It started to feel like this was going to be a four-game sweep at the hands of the L.A. Dodgers. It did. And that doesn't mean I was giving up on the team or this team's going to collapse or it's just like last year. I'm not saying any of that. It just felt like we were looking at a four-game losing streak. Everything about these first two games kind of pointed that way. And then, and let this be a lesson, never go nuts about what the starting pitching matchups are in a particular game. Uh, Now that I've looked at FanDuel every day, that's really how they base their money lines and who's favored. And I get it. No, better starting pitcher on the mound. They're favored to win. I totally get that. But when you looked at the pitching matchups for the final two games of this series, you saw. So let's go back to Friday night. All right. Game's over. Mets have lost back-to-back games against the Dodgers. They've scored one run in two games. Chris Bassett gave up a bunch of home runs to the L.A. Dodgers, the best offense in baseball. And now the Mets are facing Walker Bueller versus David Peterson. Think about that. Walker Bueller versus David Peterson and Julio Urias versus Trevor Williams. That's what we're staring at. So let's all be fair now that we know the result. We were, oh, no, I was confident. Okay. When you're sitting there at 1 o'clock in the morning, late Friday night, Saturday morning, the Mets have scored one run in two games. You're facing the best offense in the National League. Chris Bassett just gave up a couple of home runs. He gave up three home runs to the Dodger offense. And that's with Freddie Freeman not even killing you. Let's think about that. Freddie Freeman had been quiet in this series. And you're looking at Bueller, Urias, probably their two best starting pitchers. Clayton Kershaw, okay, when he pitches. That guy makes 15 starts a year. I know who am I to make that comment when we've got Jacob DeGrom on our team, but... You know what I mean? I've got great respect for Clayton Kershaw, but if you look at the last couple of years, Walker Bueller Bueller and Julio Urias are the two best starting pitchers. I think that's a fair comment to make. And we're looking at them over the final two games of this series. And let's take it a step further. All right? We get to Saturday night. Lindor hits that home run off Bueller. Okay, great. That's nice. And then we watch David Peterson not helped out by the bad throw by Pete Alonzo when he's trying to turn a double play in the second inning. We watched David Peterson give back four runs to the Dodgers. And I know it's not all on him because of the bad defense, but when he falls behind Mookie Betts 2-0 and the bases are loaded, 
But the bases loaded. There were a couple of guys on base. We all knew what the result was going to be. Something really, really bad. And Betts hits that bases clearing double, and it's 4-1. to one. You think the Mets are winning that game? Is anybody listening right now, let's be honest, even the most optimistic fan, as much as they have fought back this year, they've lost the first two games of this series, okay? They've now scored two runs in uh, 20 innings, okay? The Lindor home run, which was hit in the first inning of this game, and the Alonzo home run from game two. And now we've witnessed David Peterson, who's probably not that good to begin with. He couldn't get through the fifth inning of that game against the Nationals last week. Proceed to give back four runs, helped out by shoddy defense by Pete Alonzo. Four to one, third inning. They've lost the first two games of this series. What are you thinking? I'll tell you what I'm thinking. Our asses are getting swept. That's what I'm thinking. And that's not being negative. That's being realistic. But. In the third inning on Saturday night, the New York effing Mets reminded you what the 2022 New York effing Mets are all about because they immediately responded against Walker Bueller. Now, granted, we can say this now, Walker Bueller had a very off performance. He would not even finish that said third inning. When he walks Patrick Mazika to lead off the third inning, that's a pretty good sign. When Brandon Nimmo does Brandon Nimmo things, again, even though he hadn't looked great at the plate, he can still draw a walk occasionally, and that's what he did. And then Starling Marte comes through with the big RBI hit, and then Francisco Lindor did something which we saw continue in the finale of this series, and something that I wish they created a stat to describe. Because for all the new age stats that we have that usually mean very little, there's one stat that they haven't produced yet for us. And that's the productive out. Because Francisco Lindor at that point, I remember saying it with nobody out, hit the freaking ball, advance the runner, score a run. And that's what he did. Now, I don't want to jump ahead to game four of this series, but we know what J.D. Davis did. That was a productive out. And I don't know if they've done that yet. Have they created a set? Have I missed that stat that they created that really measures the productive out? That's not, that's not around just yet, but we'll start that. I promise you. Me you I mean, I don't know how to measure it because I know all situations are different. Like, I'll give you a great example. If it's eight to nothing in the eighth inning and someone hits the ball to the right side to advance the runner, that's not a productive out because you're down eight nothing. Like, I get that. Not all situations are created equal. But in the third inning of this game, in which you're trying to get back runs that you just gave up, I wasn't expecting to take the lead. I was just saying... Go scratch out two or three runs. That's it. That's all I was looking for. And Lindor hitting that ground ball to the right side of the infield. Man, that's my turn on. I'm telling you right now. that And that's the thing I got to give Lindor credit for. And J.D. Davis did it in the finale of this series. That's what I want from this team. And they've been doing it all year. Productive outs. This is why, not to go on a diatribe, but I probably will. This is why... When I hear, ah, the team strikes out a lot, who cares? That's the stupidest thing ever. When you strike out, that's it. You're out. It's over. When you ground out or you fly out, there's a chance, not always, that the out's productive. God damn it. That's why the Houston Astros have been so successful the last bunch of years. It's not only stealing signs. It's not only Justin Verlander. It's not only great players like Carlos Correa and Jose Altuve and Alex Bregman. It's that they're very difficult to strike out. If Francisco Lindor strikes out in that spot, 
And I know that's not the greatest example because Pete Alonso then hit a two-run home run on the uh, in the next at-bat. But, you know, in general, if he had struck out and not driven in a run, which he did, he drove in Brandon Nimmo, and advanced Starling Marte to third base, you know, that inning could have been different. Obviously, Pete Alonso is a monster right now and loves hitting at Dodger Stadium. He is such a beast. And he hit that two-run home run to knock Bueller out of the game. But that's where everything changed in this series. Because two runs in 20 innings, you're staring Walker Bueller in the eye, you're trailing game three of this series, four to one in the third inning, and everything changed. Not only did David Peterson at least give you another inning and a half, but then we saw Buck Showalter do Buck things. And, you know, it's funny. When the Mets hired Buck Showalter, I I was very happy about it. But I wasn't, I guess, as happy as others. Like our boy Sal Licata, who was wishing everybody a happy Buckmas. I remember saying to Sal, look, I love the Buck hire. I'm good with it. But I don't, I, I think you're overstating maybe the impact that a manager can have. Well, I'm going to tell you right now, on June 4th and 5th, 2022, my love for Buck Showalter became so firm and so strong. There were a few things Buck, and Buck's had a great year. I mean, this is, I, I know this is nothing new. Uh, when you talk about the locker room and things that you can't measure, obviously the success this team has had. First of all, he has the media handled. I mean, he plays them like a flute. It's unbelievable. He gives you nothing and yet has the media and fans fawning all over everything he says. More on that later. But there is the thing that Buck did. David Peterson throws that hanger to Mookie, and Mookie rips this foul ball. And I'm telling you out loud, I said, get him out of the effing game. And I wasn't the only one. Everybody who was up Saturday night when David Peterson gave up that foul ball to Mookie said, get him out of the effing game. The guy's already thrown 90 pitches. (laughs) He's not going much further. You're going to need a lot of outs out of your bullpen. Get him out of the game. I mean, you just scored a bunch of runs. You just took the lead at this point. It's 6-4 to because the Mets tacked on another run in the fourth inning when my boy Eduardo Escobar hit a home run. And as the words are coming out of my mouth, get him out of the effing game, I see that sexy man get out of the dugout. I mean, he is the sexiest 60-plus-year-old man in the world. He comes out of that dugout. He starts going towards the mound. And I'm like, Buck, you read my freaking mind. Now, obviously, what makes it work is that Colin Holderman strikes out Mookie Betts, freezes him. Mookie Betts looked like he had never seen that pitch before. It was beautiful. But I love that move. And then the bullpen. The bullpen. Give him credit. Adam Adovino, who 90% of the time we all hate. Chasen Shreve. Drew Smith. Big J. Jolie Rodriguez. And even Seth Lugo. Shut the L.A. Dodger offense down. So after they give up the four runs in the second inning... The Dodgers do absolutely nothing. And then we even get to be entertained by my cousin, who I've got to text. i got to talk to my cousin Dave. Dave Roberts has no effing idea what the hell is going on. Dave Roberts says to himself, ah, it's a five-run game. Let me go to Zach McKinstry, who's not a pitcher, obviously. He's a position player. Let me go to Zach McKinstry just to get three outs. Meanwhile, my cousin had Craig Kimbrell warming up in the bullpen. He did. He had him warming up. I have no idea why he was warming up. What the hell changed in the ninth inning? Nothing. Was he just getting working? 
Like, why was he warming up? See, he has this idea of, and before we get to the rule and who knew the rule, let's just think about this for a second. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Dave, you have a million arms out of the bullpen. You just got brilliant starting pitching out of Tyler Anderson and Tony Gonsolin. Now, Walker Bueller sucked. We all know that. You really think in a five-run game with the best offense in baseball, this is the time to go to a position player because you just want to give up? Now, look, I get it. The odds of you coming back from five down seem to be really slim because you're facing the unbeatable Seth Lugo (laughs) because Edwin Diaz has never imploded west of the Rocky Mountains. Like, I get the odds aren't very high, but I'll tell you right now, if I'm a Dodger fan, and I I know it's tough to imagine being a Dodger fan because they won a World Series a few years ago. I know nothing about winning, but I'm going to try to put myself in these shoes. I'd be pissed off at Dave Roberts. I'd say, dude, what are you doing? It's a five-run game. Yeah, I get it. The odds are we're not going to come back, but we got the best offense in baseball. We get a couple of guys on base. Freaking Trey Turner may come up as the tying run, who, by the way, has like a 57,000-game hitting streak. I think it was 25 games or 26 games. Whatever it was, it got snapped. (laughs) That's what I know. But so let's just start there before we get to the rule. Dave, what are you doing? So then... And I do, I'll be perfectly honest with you, as much of a baseball geek as I am, here's what I knew about the rule. I I always want to be honest with second guessing and first guessing and always say this is what I thought at the time. I forgot that they added this rule. I remember they were going to add it before the 2020 season. Obviously, the pandemic hit and they changed everything. But they had created a rule because too many position players had come into pitch. And so the rule was we really don't want position players to come into pitch unless it's a blowout or it's an extra inning game and you really don't have another choice. I completely forgot that this rule, A, got pushed back, and then B, that they were now instituting it. But, but here's the thing. I'm not the manager of the L.A. Dodgers. I'm a guy who scores a bunch of baseball games and screams about it on the radio. So it's okay for me to admit, yeah, I kind of vaguely remember them coming up with this rule, but I'm not sure if it's instituted or not. Dave Roberts, who I I don't want to rip Dave. I like Dave. I really do. He gave us as Met fans something really, really important that we should cherish every day. Do you know what he gave us, Pete? I I don't. (laughs) What did he give us? What did he give us? He gave us the New York Yankees collapse of 2004 because without that stolen base, I'm not sure it ever happens. So, Dave, I will forever be grateful for the greatest sports collapse in the history of everything. Thank you, Dave. With that said, Buck comes out there, and I think all of us want to believe the story. And this isn't true, but this is what we all want to believe. I even tweeted it. We want to believe that Buck Showalter walked out and said, hey, morons, 
he's not allowed to go to a position player because there's a rule, and I'm Buck Showalter, and I know every freaking rule in the world, which I believe he does. And then the umpires went like, what? There's a rule? Let's, let's call New York City to find out. So I think we all want to believe that Buck created this on his own. I watched Buck's post-game press conference. A, I don't think he wanted to talk about it. And B, like I mentioned earlier, he doesn't say much. And yet the media and us as fans, we love him. It doesn't even matter that he doesn't say much. But he kind of gave me the impression, you know, uh, this is my Buck imitation. Here we go. Um, yeah, so the, uh, the umpire said we want to check on the rule. Yeah, I had nothing to do with it. I don't know. I'm just hanging out. He made it seem as if he really didn't push the whole, hey, this guy can't come into pitch. That the umpire has almost said, hey, I don't think he can come into pitch. Let's go double check. And he took the high road on the thing Gary Cohen was freaking out about, which is why should Evan Phillips, who ended up coming into the game, be allowed an unlimited amount of time to warm up? And Buck's high road was... Well, we don't want him to get hurt, and we certainly don't want him to hurt one of our guys. We know how many times the Mets have been hit. So it was it was weird because I, I don't know what the right answer is because Buck's right. Let's think about this. As much as Dave Roberts is stupid or stupid's too strong, much as Dave Roberts should have known the rule and there should be a penalty for it, such as the pitcher doesn't get as much time as he wants to throw up, throw to warm up, there is a negative that could affect the Mets, which is the guy could start drilling people and injuring people because he's not warmed up. So the whole thing was bizarre. And then it creates this interesting dilemma, which Steve Gelbs brought up on the broadcast on Sunday. And I'm glad it was finally discussed, which is, wait a second, in the moment as a Met fan, don't you want the position player to come into pitch? Don't you want McKinstry to come in? probably give up a couple of runs and so that it's definitely game over because with a five-run lead, as I've said earlier, not to be sarcastic, we've seen the Mets blow leads. We've seen the Mets come back a lot this season, but certainly in the past, I'm not going to put it as much on this current 2022 team, but you go back to 2019, that's the kind of game the Mets lose. Like, think about the way the Mets lost games in 2019. Wouldn't it have been fitting for five-run lead in the ninth, Position players trying to come into pitch to give up on game. Umpires say you're not allowed. Regular pitcher gets three outs. Mets blow the lead in the ninth inning. Like that would have been such a Metsy in 2019 loss. But what Gary Cohen said, and I kind of agree that Buck would have thought this way because I think he's got confidence. No, I want them to burn a relief pitcher because that's going to hurt them on Sunday. In the moment of Saturday, yeah. Let McKinstry come in. Let the Mets ensure they win the Saturday game. But in the whole context of baseball's a marathon and game four of the series is tomorrow, yeah, let's make them waste using one of their better starting pitchers. And here's what's beautiful about the whole thing. That could have been the reason why the Mets won the fourth game of this series. Think about this. Evan Phillips comes in in the sixth inning. Evan Phillips. Same guy. He gets two outs, including striking out Escobar with two on and two out. Then he comes out of the game. If Evan Phillips doesn't pitch that game on Saturday night, he may pitch the seventh inning. Maybe that pushes back how they use their bullpen. Now, obviously, the Mets ended up getting to Bruce Dargata raw in the eighth inning. More on that in a second. But I think the long game approach is 
Let's make them use a regular pitcher. Either way, it was a great victory on Saturday night. The offense woke up. And all of a sudden, you look at this series a little bit differently. And I went into the Sunday game, again, another pitching matchup that heavily favored the L.A. Dodgers, with the thought being, you know what? No matter what happens in this finale, they got to win. You lose three out of four. Okay, not the ultimate goal, but you avoid disaster. You avoid the disaster of losing all four games. That was my approach. Now, one other thing about the Saturday game before I jump to the finale of this series The Jeff McNeil thing was really, really weird. Jeff McNeil struck out to end the ninth inning and was upset. He pulled a Paul O'Neill, as I like to call it. And when Paul O'Neill used to do it, Yankee fans affectionately loved it. Oh, he's showing emotion. He's the warrior. He's Paul O'Neill. When Jeff McNeil does it and he's struggling, not this year because he's had a good year, but certainly last year, you look at him and say he's a whiny baby. He's got to grow up. Paul O'Neill was a whiny baby. The difference was Paul O'Neill was a great player. And so we looked at his whiny babiness and said, that's great. That's what makes him fantastic. He is so into the game. He cares about it so much. But it really it depends who you are and how you perform. And that's how we view it. So to me, when I saw Jeff McNeil slam his helmet down, I didn't think much of it. He was struggling. It looked like he was in a batting slump, maybe one of his first real slumps of the season. Anytime Jeff McNeil is striking out, there's something to worry about. But you see that clip of Buck kind of giving him the finger, not that finger, but the finger of get over here. You know, like you see, like you do to your kid, get over here. What are you doing? I did that to Jet numerous times today. Not as much Spence because he's only a year and a half year old, but that finger of get, get the hell over here. What are you doing? And so it looked like Buck benched him. And after the game, SNY, who had a really bad weekend, I don't really work for SNY. They air our show. But I got to tell you, if I had any pull with SNY, they got a D minus for the week. Not only are they delaying the Gary Cohen video feed like we discussed earlier in the podcast, but here's the other thing they did. If you watch the postgame, and I'm a big postgame watcher because I like to hear what the managers have to say specifically. As he's being asked about pulling Jeff McNeil, they cut away. I kid you not. This is the kind of crap I see. And so I was very upset with SNY. I did a little research, and I was able to see what Buck's answer was. And his answer was, I just thought he needed to spend the ninth inning with me or the ninth inning on the bench. Like, he basically confirmed that he pulled him. Now, I'd love to go further into that with him and say, what's the issue? Like, was he too small? Because emotion's good in baseball. Sometimes it is. And then he doesn't play him in the game on Sunday. Now, you could easily argue, well, he didn't play him because Urias was on the mound. It was a matchup thing. Jeff McNeil doesn't play every every single day anyway, and I buy that. But I'd love to find out more about what Buck thinks about Jeff McNeil's overreaction at times to at-bats because, yeah, he freaked out. And what's weird is he freaked out in a situation in which the Mets had scored nine runs They're about to win a baseball game, and maybe you look at it and say, is Jeff more concerned about the fact he struck out his last three at-bats and not the fact that even though he didn't have a good day, the rest of the offense had a good day? I don't know. I don't know if teammates look at it that way. Maybe some teammates look at him and say, what a bitch. This guy's complaining about striking out three times. We just scored nine runs against the L.A. Dodgers. We just sent Walker Bueller to the showers in the freaking third inning. And this guy's complaining? I don't know. But I trust Buck. We all have to trust Buck. But we haven't even gotten 
to the best thing Buck Showalter did all weekend long, and that was in the finale of this series.